Everything you've heard about the KISS years and the KISS stage shows and the spectacle is true. It's not a legend. We're going to show every new band how the big boys do it. This is better for me the second time than it was the first time because I'm focused and I'm in control and I'm in the greatest band in the world. It's really about a lifestyle and an attitude towards winning. But you're kind of like a spaceman. No, actually, I'm a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> to myself, look, Eric, you're going to do the best you can. You know you're good, you know the songs, and that's all you can do. So it is just like a great opportunity that, that just suddenly landed in my lap. And... This one's going to be exceptional. Now I'm in the best band. I was in some good bands, but now I'm in the best band. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Right Between the Eyes, a KISS podcast with three generations of KISS fans telling you why we love it loud. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Myers. Welcome to part three. We're going to milk this for every cent we paid for this thing. The Destroyer 45th Anniversary Super Deluxe Box Set Combo Fry Milkshake Pack that we bought. (laughs) With with me, as always, is Nick and Nico Caruso on episode 18. How are you guys doing today? They're doing great, man. I'm I'm actually really pumped up to talk about. We're talking Kiss Live. Yeah, so I'm, I'm always like really fired up whenever we're talking about a live release, dude. It's uh, yeah, it's it's we teed it up so much last week with a bunch mm-hmm. of like innuendo and small comments. <laughs> so now it's time to actually do that and uh, and put our money where our mouth is. There you go. Because we all spent a lot of we money on this thing, <laughs> so we, so we deserve to be able to talk about it, however we want. Yeah. Uh, so I have the microphone and you will listen to every damn word I have to yeah. say. No, okay. uh, before I go completely off the rails, let's get the social media outlets. If you haven't followed us yet, you can follow us primarily on Twitter at RBTE podcast. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash right between the eyes podcast. We're on Instagram and we are on YouTube now. And uh, just search us there at right between the eyes podcast. And you'll find us. And you can email the show at right between the eyes podcast at gmail.com. And if you listen on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave a review and a star review, and we will read that on the show as well. I think we got another couple, but I'm going to hold it off till another couple episodes. We'll let a couple of those build up. So here we are. The moment, I would say the moment of truth, because we got one more big thing coming. But this was the ticket item in the box where. Nick almost did the opening of Detroit Rock City and about crashed his car. They had to pull the car off the side of the road. If I remember the story right, wake your son up and be like, hey, go do this thing. So I know we've kind of rehashed this. I kind of wanted you to tee this thing up again. What was it about this that you were like, hey, I got to grab this? Well, you know, again, when you when you beautifully text me that I think it was Friday, Mm-hmm. And I saw it and I'm like, is this real? You're like, it's real. I pull the car over and my mind always goes to like live stuff. I just, that's just me, man. I just mm-hmm. love kiss live, everything, visually, audio, everything, mistakes, whatever they do. And as I was watching the advertisement for this thing, I saw this live in Paris thing. And I, and I started to get like crazy. I in love the car. how you say advertisement and not right. advertisement. 
And Rob, immediately, immediately there was no set list, right? So immediately right. I, I go to Google setlist.com and I, and I do that. So I'm like, oh my God, they do flaming youth. And I'm like, mm. and I'll take it a step further. I start, I start, um, I get to my destination. Now I'm in a parking lot and I'm starting to Google kiss live in Paris. And I'm like, oh, there's bootlegs. I'm like, I didn't have the bootleg. I don't know why I just didn't. I don't think I did either. And I listened to one on YouTube, which actually... At that time, it didn't sound that bad to me, and I couldn't tell if it was an audience or a board. But it 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 certainly sounds better than what we're going to get into. Now, it might have just been my excitement being in the car, seeing this, but that was like the thing for me. I'm like, wow, I'm finally going to get a kiss. We're going to get another kiss live show from an era that is the golden era, and oddly enough, they're going to include Flaming Youth, which is like my second or third favorite kiss song so that's how excited i was did i immediately started calling you or what did i do did i text you, you or call you you called me to go to go pre-order it which we did right um and i was happy with it too because like him i mean you learn from your parents you're following their footsteps i'm big on live stuff too with every band like my dad that's where my mind goes and i was particularly interested if flaming youth would be on there because one that is arguably his favorite kiss song of all time. And we had the pleasure of seeing it on the freedom to rock tour, mm. but a nice live version has eluded him for four <laughs> years. And then we realized it was going to be on here yep. and um, it might still be eluding you. I'm not sure, but yeah. well, but a live version does exist it's and it's on here it's and we bought it and we you. have it and we're yeah. going to talk about it, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool to make that impulse purchase. It was like the first massive kiss buy. Of our friendship, actually, I take that back. There was there was the Kiss Twenty Twenty thing. We don't count that. I don't know what it you're talking about. First, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't massive. I have no evidence of that purchase ever. I don't know what you're talking about. What is going? On? It was the first big, huge thing, like the Kiss Drop yeah. special thing that the three of us got to experience. I know Nick was like he lied to us about the last Kiss purchase. He's probably making this thing up too. <laughs> you know, it could be. It could be. So, uh, so I'm excited. So we'll. So it was cool. And then it came, and then we plugged our ears into it, and uh, the rest was well, history. It's even before that, but we'll get into it as we break this thing down. So if we haven't buried the lead enough, this would be disc four, Kiss, live in Paris at the Olympia. They have to put it backwards, but I'll read it in the English way. The 22nd of May, 1976. So this was one I remember seeing it. I'll go back just a second. I'm usually always a live person. If any of my favorite bands, Kiss, Motley, Def, whatever, put out a studio album and a live album at the same time, my gut reaction wants to go to the live album first and pick mm-hmm. up the studio album. I've always kind of been that way. And I've always sought out any type of bootlegs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get burned. It's a really bad audience recording, but sometimes I'll download or find the audience recording because, oh, they played this one song this one time, or I found the show I was at. So I've got a lot of different bootlegs from a lot of shows that I've seen, be it soundboard or audience recording or, or video shaky cam. It was just cool to, to have that live experience, especially when it was like, oh my gosh, they played, like you said, flaming youth. So they played hide your heart. That song has eluded me. I've never seen kiss mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. that one live, but so this one, I knew it was out there. I've seen it in like bootleg circles. And I think I've even seen clips of it on YouTube, but this wasn't one that 
was on the top of my like, oh, I got to go get it. So I had to do a little bit of research mm-hmm. of like, I wonder why they chose this show for the box set. We can kind of get in to that. I think it was a couple months. I was probably leading right up to about the month before we found out that this was not going to be a soundboard recording, that this is an audience recording. The guys from uh, Kiss My Collectibles, Kiss My Wax, they uh, had interviewed, did an interview with uh, Tom Germain about mm-hmm. the book and everything. And that's where they were talking about this as well. So I knew that kind of took a lot of steam out of some people and they did say on there it's an audience recording but it's a pretty good audience recording so that's about the only indication that we had i know we've talked about it previous episode but maybe let's nutshell it i would imagine your disappointment or your enthusiasm probably had a lot of air taken out of it as it was coming well, first of all, I kept hoping when because we when they announced it, there was about two months till it was going to come out. And okay. usually on iTunes or, or Spotify, whatever, you've seen the pattern of, of artists will release a track about every two or three weeks, right? So I kind of had a weird feeling when the first two tracks were Detroit Rock City and then Rock and Rolls Royce, right? And I'm like, I hope they put something from the live album. They're live. Kiss is live. Why don't they do it? It's my first inclination that hmm, maybe they don't want to put something live because it will turn people off. Mm. And they'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to buy this thing. I'm just going to stream it. I'm already I'm on Spotify. I already pay for Apple Music. But my disappointment came very quickly when. The Kiss Fat guys renewed it, reviewed it, but we're talking about, I think it was the other one, the other podcast. Oh, the uh, and, Kiss My Collectibles. And, yeah. and, and yeah. Julian very succinctly said it is a audience recording. And I remember sitting at home and the, I think for me, it was about three weeks out. And I was like, wow, I'm like, it must be like this fantastic audience recording then. Like maybe it's me and. I went back to YouTube then and started listening to clips and I was like, hmm, this just doesn't sound real good. And I started to get, and listen, I'm not a pretentious bootleg collector, but I am not an audience. I never was a big fan of audience recordings. I've always been someone that sought out the soundboards or the television broadcast, the radio broadcast. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't tell you on eBay how many of those Westwood one. My son oh, yeah. Has- I have several of those, Rob. One day we could do a show just on all the bands I have of that. So, dude, I was massively disappointed. I remember texting you, calling Nico, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer. I'm going to wait till it comes out. I'm going to wait till I actually listen to it. But the guys, by about the third review I read of it, they were not being kind mm-hmm. in the KISS community. And, and I think people were not only questioning the choice, but kind of stating what a lot of us know is that there's probably better shows out there. Now they may not be pristine soundboards, but they certainly, the ones I've heard sound a lot better than this one. And to top it off, it's particularly not really a destroyer show to be honest with everybody that would come, that would come down the road. Now the shows that come down the road don't have flaming youth, but as much as I love that song, I would have rather had a better sounding show and not had Flaming Youth. 
I guess my frustration all came through you when you told me it's an audience recording. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And then he started playing some things on YouTube for me. And I'm like, oh, that's what you mean. It was frustrating. And I'm not as active on the, on the kiss message boards. I should be, I'm just not, but I have the reference right next to me who pretty much tells me <laughs> what everyone's saying. And it did not sound kind at all. And I'm a little more optimistic when it comes to it. Um, I'm someone who likes to go on YouTube and listen to clips and see videos from people in the audience. If there's a song mm-hmm. I like, and I'll throw those on, but to have a whole show be like that and, and to have that be the definitive thing in the box. It's not like, Hey, I really want a version of, you know, I like to listen. To I stole your love from the summit. So I'll go to YouTube and I'll just throw that on, but I wouldn't necessarily listen to the whole thing from right. that version or from the audience back in the seventies or whatever. So I was curious to see what exactly this would sound like. I was still holding out hope, you know, maybe, you know, when it actually comes, they would have turned it up or dialed everything up. Cause I didn't see all those reviews that were talking about it. And then no, it came, we listened to it and it was very much, and it sounds like an audience recording. It sounds like a video I took on my iPhone and I tried to show it to you guys. It was like, oh, did you hear they played Flaming Youth? You could turn this into an MP3 track and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, I and I really hadn't listened to much until I got it. I think on the last episode, I think I listened to maybe Deuce and I was trying to wait till this moment to record this episode to really listen to it. So I did it Caruso style and I listened to it all week back and forth to work. So I remember when the first track starts, I was like, all right, you know, for a brief moment I had, well, tell you what folks, before we do that, the cover to this, we really haven't uh, talked much about this cover yet. It's cool that it's an official release and I know there's different shots of it, but it's a black and white photo taken from like the the uh, the balcony or something like mm-hmm. that in the theater it this is very much the alive touring set they don't have the destroyer set yet they're not in their destroyer clothes i really like this shot i've seen a couple like front stage shots of this some youtube is up and close but this looks like they're in a very small theater and gene's amps are actually pointing towards him not towards the audience so that may be what some of the sound is what do you guys think of the cover and the presentation of the packaging itself well, for the disc i listened to the interview with tom tom german and you know what i props to him he painstakingly went through so much hard work not only to find the photos he actually found a replica ticket Take, yeah from somebody that was there and this is a case where you know the the cover is much better than the book, right? It's one of those things. <laughs> Don't judge a book by hey, its cover because boy, we're comic book fans, right? Sometimes, right. Right. how many times you, you see a cover on a comic book and it's oh. freaking pristine, and then you read the story and you're like, God, that really sucked, you know? So once again, I I look at this project and say that they they spent all the money on the trinkets and the paper goods. Oh yeah. Oh. Let's just get in to the opening track. We heard the opening track. And what I was just getting ready to say was that for a brief moment, I was like, this actually sounds pretty good. I was really in, maybe not impressed. And I was like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's not as bad as the reviews were. And then you start listening a little bit more. And I know this is really early. It's 76. And 
there's a lot of rawness and a lot of dirtiness to this opening track. So we'll kind of go through these track by track and we may talk through and around some of them, but the let's leave the recording aspect out of it. What do you think about this era in 76 and Deuce being the opener and the energy of the first song? Is it good? Is it lackluster? Where are you, where are you at on this? One? You know, the opening, it's a long opening, right? Because it's like you hear all that. They're taking the stage and there's you hear some some stuff going on with the guitars. And so for me, it takes a long time to finally kick in. And then when it kicks in, like I don't like sloppy kiss is still good kiss to me. So like, it's not so much that I, I don't like the performance. And I mean, as much as I don't want to talk about the recording, it's still the sound of it. That bothers me a little bit, Mm. bothers me a lot, to be honest with you. So I do think that they're off and I, and I, but I do think that they're young and they're raw and I can appreciate that. I just wish we had a, you know, I just wish we had a better sounding format to really pick out some of the nuances a little bit more. I mean, obviously there's some missed notes and it is what it is. I mean, it's a cool thing, right? Because they played an afternoon show and I think it was Chuck Berry was playing the night show or something like that. The evening show. No, actually Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis, the comedian, the comedian, Jerry Lewis. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jerry Lee Lewis. I was no, go, the comedian, fire. the comedian, and Jerry I, Lewis had these, wow. they, they had from a, I was just, I'll plug Julian Gill's book here. Kiss on tour. Let me read this. I should have done this at the beginning. So it says here an afternoon show at the concert starting at 3 PM with the band having to be out of the venue by six 30 to allow comedian Jerry Lewis who is scheduled to perform. He was booked May 18th through the 31st. Mm-hmm. So he had a standing gig. Kiss came in one night. And one song that's missing off here, the show actually concludes with Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Yes. And no uh, audio has been able to be found of this. Well, the poor guy that taped it, I guess, got tired. or Yeah. He ran, he ran out. Of, it was TDK or his Maxwell. Yeah. So listen. I am an, I appreciate this era a lot. I, I just have a hard time, Rob, trying to really stay with it. As much as I try, I just lose myself in it. I can't. I'll say this too. I also really like Raw Kiss. I think that's because I grew up right when all the Kissologies came out. So mm-hmm. that's all I watched. And um, I'm like that with all my bands too. Like I don't like necessarily, I love seeing them in concerts. Some of my newer artists who are more of like this generation, I don't always like when they perform live because you could tell that a lot of it's being played or that there's other mm-hmm. things going on and they're maybe not even really playing the instruments. But at least when you listen to something Kiss, you know, they're really playing. And I do like kind of the the rawness of some of the songs, especially just the way that that Deuce. I feel like Paul has never played the opening of Deuce the same ever. No, that's why I love every live version of it going back yeah. to like Alive and then on other versions, even yeah. on the Kissology, just because it always sounds like there's a note or two that's wrong or different, but I love <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Here's the thing I love about this first track is Rob. I'm actually more in your boat than my dad's is where it starts. And this is something I liked about the Kissologies that they actually, I'm pretty sure they tried to replicate this on the Alive 35 Torch is the first Kiss show I seen, which is where mm. the curtains down and you know they took the stage, but they wait a little bit, and you hear like Eric hit a few drums and a few guitar strums, like nair nair. Yeah. And then you hear the all right, which I haven't seen him do since that. And then 
going back to the Cosology, like the first one and listening to this, I'm like, okay, they had to take the stage. They had to get ready. They were screwing around a little, a little bit. That kind of built me into the beginning of Deuce yeah. and Deuce starts. And I was like, I was with you. I'm like, oh, this isn't that bad. But I, it was almost more like the euphoria of listening to a Kiss intro. Cause you know, any Kiss show, <laughs> the first song is always a banger. Yeah. It norm- yeah. I mean, it really is. It, it yeah. At least when you think about the staple openers, your deuces, your Detroit Rock Cities, your I Stole Your Love from the Summit, your Love Gun from Rock the Nation, Psycho Creatures, Psycho Circus, Creatures. Creatures. So like you always know that that first song is going to get you hyped no matter what. And then, and Deuce is just such like a, you know, like get up and get your grandma out of here. Like it's the most ridiculous opening right. line of all time. But it, it, it works. And yet it's so a masterpiece. Well. Yeah. And yet it's a masterpiece of <laughs> lyricism because of how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. I was vibing with Deuce. That's probably the only track I 100% vibed with because then your ears start to adjust. You start to realize, I think the quality starts when you watch something for enough time and listen to something for mm. enough time and that euphoria starts wearing off and you start becoming a lot more present, yeah. you, all your senses start to dial up. And I'm like, okay, no way. This is, this is what they were saying, but that mm-hmm. I really didn't feel till probably the ending going into track two. Yeah. That is a good place to start. Paul doesn't do his stage rap until after strutter which is where we're getting to go right now i don't know what it is about strutter i don't know if it if they're out of their element because it's three o'clock in the afternoon but there seems to be a little bit of lag but in between deuce and strutter where it's like peter not picking up the cue like okay let's go into it (laughs) so i remember thinking like this is a weird pregnant pause you know me editing our shows i don't like leaving a lot of dead space and i was like peter hit something knowing what the track was gonna be and this is where like you said i was in kind of that that euphoria stage of like deuce like oh this is really good it's a kiss live album this is this is this is pretty cool and then strutter hits and right when you hear the black to blue i'm like man those drums sound like crap you know and i didn't i wasn't noticing it too much I think the toms are really coming through the PA loud and you start realizing, Oh, this is an audience recording. It's not being EQ. I think you could tell that they did some, try to do some EQing and mastering. And we'll get to that later on, but strutter, it really sounds rough here. It's awful. Um, It's not, and I'm not talking the, the audience recording aspect of it, just the physical playing of the song. I think really sounds rough. And then that's when my ears really started listening to, am I hearing popping and hissing in this thing as well, that I was listening to ambient noise and I'm not listening to the track. You're so right. And as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking of Paul in all these interviews when he talks about how they touch up live albums, right? Because nobody wants to hear the mistakes and, you know, it could be, not completely live, but it's still a live album. And and you just said something about that transition from Deuce to Strutter. Like, I see, like, I don't think they did anything on this, right? Like, you think they would have even went in and maybe like edited some of the transitions or 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 yeah. sped it up a little bit to make it seem, you know. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's like editing 101 with these live albums. Like you have a guy that just goes in there and he Right. Yeah. I mean, that literally you know, take that takes two yeah. seconds when we you know, when we get these off the board, these show these shows like from the who or, or anybody that puts them out, 
there's all that dead space there. Even like Pearl Jam did them, even mm-hmm. some of the Springsteen shows that come out. But the beauty of Kiss is that they always had somebody kind of come in and clean it up a little bit mm-hmm. and tighten it up. So, you know, once again, by the time I'm struggling to listen to Strutter, <laughs> again, Rob, I'm trying to stay in into the era, the time of the show, but I'm thinking to myself, good Lord, I don't think they did EQ this thing. And I asked a few questions to some people and, and I was told that there's better sounding versions of the show out there, like maybe three or four. So mm. I don't know where, and again, I'm not blaming Kiss. I'm blaming Universal. Universal. I yeah. just wonder where they got the master, where where they got this from. Did they pull this from YouTube? I I have no idea, but Strutter is, I'm, I'm really struggling, but I'm going to stay with the show because <laughs> I got to listen to the whole thing. But now my mind is, I'm starting to get angry, son. Yeah, and I won't <laughs> spend too much more on what you guys have already said. Like I just alluded to, you're waiting for that. Okay, you always know. If I know Strutter's coming next, I know it goes right into it, and that's mm-hmm. a top 10 kiss song for me so i know what those mm-hmm. drums are supposed to sound like and i'm with you rob that drum starts and i go Ooh, yeah what it was the and it's like I he mean, had the drum key going i'm like what and, are you doing? Then, and i don't even know for the, the second war- and third war- wait is that the warbling of the tape maybe or something no, or is, no for the I, second I, for the second and third hit it sounds like he's hitting the same drums not different ones like I don't like Rob's the drummer. I'm not, but I know in Strutter, yeah. there's like three different sounds. The do, 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 do. And yeah. it sounds like, yeah. he, sounds like the second it's... one goes twice. Cause there's yeah. not a pitch difference. And I don't really yeah. hear that. I hear the, like, the warble is in the, the concert toms. Yeah. So I think that's the warble coming from the, now I would imagine being in person, it probably sounds pretty good, but being sure. in person, through a eight track recorder <laughs> microphone, whatever the heck yeah. that they were using, this TDK that yeah. that delay was causing that. Cause you can kind of hear it in the drum solo and we'll, we'll probably get to that in a little bit. So we won't spend much time on strutter. Let's go to flaming you. Now this was one I was like, all right, let's pull this out. And this is 76 kiss has still been around since 73. 74 first album so we've all heard alive and how great live sounds and yes we know eddie kramer did a lot of magic to help tie that album together so paul's stage raps are legendary you know those are things you could just recite to any kiss fan and you know exactly what song what you're talking about this was one where Paul sounds like he just got out of a taxi cab. Is like, hey, we just got a new song from our album Destroyer. I'm like, all right. So it's it was cool to hear Flaming Youth played for one of the few times during during yeah. this this era, yeah. and I like the way the song felt without yeah. hearing the organs of things like that. It sounds dirty, a little bit nasty, but. I was a little let down. This was a big one. I think a lot of us were really excited about hearing while sonically, I think it sounds good in this raw form, just being guitar, two guitars, bass, drums, and vocals. It's still, it's still missing something. And I don't know if that's the, they just don't didn't play it very much or is it the audience recording? And I feel like we're going to drill this right in right into the ground with this. So 
So this is your yeah. your favorite song. This is, this is my like my like the one thing I'm like you know did I find some redeeming quality with the song <sighs> to like just just take it pull it right like just yeah. extract it from this recording and 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 fool with it and have a good time with it and I actually like the way they play it because it is pretty messed up and it's different and I think he mm-hmm. repeats. Does he repeat the verse or the chorus? He repeats the, the verse. This is my. It's almost like they don't know what to do with it. You know, they don't know how yeah. to end it. And and there's a little bit of an extended outro, which I thought was really cool. I did like um, the outro. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. You know, and again, I, I probably would have really enjoyed this had it sounded better. But as much as I love this song, and I'm willing to forgive some of the nuances in it that don't work again it just comes to be it becomes a fidelity issue with me too where i just am not gonna go back thanks to you i have a much better version which one day we'll talk about but <laughs> yeah um, and it's obviously it's not an original four version but it's certainly something that satisfies me brings me joy and i can listen to not this version here but i would have liked I still would have hung my head on this version a little bit had it sounded better. Yeah, it's it's solely for me. It's actually solely the audience recording that makes this one, you know, lackluster. I'm I'm with the both of you. I think it, the version sounds cool, and I'm also like, I like, of course, the studio version because that's all we really have. Mm-hmm. I mean, until this, but there's something about the studio versions of songs back in the seventies that I've always said, and even the eighties where the guitars aren't as loud as they are now on studio versions. Mm -hmm. So I liked hearing this version for the most part, Mm -hmm. you can really hear the strummings of the guitars. There's like the, and, and which I, which I find cool, but it's mad dog, but it's yeah. I mean, mad dog (laughs) because it should have been mad dog. Hashtag justice for mad dog. Um, Nico's ear. My ear, hashtag my ear. It's not, it it still ends up being pretty suspect. I do like the outro. I do like kind of the dirty version of it because it is always a treat when you go to see a show and the live song is played just a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, definitely. It's cool. It it, it makes it a little bit more special. But man, if it's so, if it's, it's unfortunate because if it sounded better, I think this would have been a really dope version. But for now, it's kind of just there. And I will say, I do prefer this one to a lot of the rest of it though. And maybe just cause it's flaming youth and I'm biased that we don't have a version of it. So I'm kind of, t- yeah, like I'm not mm. as angry at this one than I am, let's say a strutter or a couple songs that occur later. And this goes back to, I didn't care if it, if I downloaded an audience recording or a soundboard, I, I always tried to get soundboard, but this would have been something, Oh, they're playing flaming youth. And in the mm-hmm. description, it would say audience recording. I'd have been like, I don't care. I want to hear this song so i was definitely pleased with it and this is one of those had they done this in the 80s they would have had the keyboard player off stage playing all of the all the other stuff so knowing that they didn't have a key touring keyboard player with them at this time like how are they going to replicate that and i was surprised this is where i'm going to give props to the recording that you could still make out what paul was playing it's not crystal clear but i could tell oh that's paul's part and that's ace's part where they were trying to mimic the accordion or whatever the accordion, the, the keyboard, whatever that was, the the circus piano or whatever. And Ace doesn't sound that bad. No. I mean, Ace is again, I don't well, we gotta give him some credit here too. I think he they think he does a pretty good job on this. 
I, I do. I, do. I don't think he knows where it's going at the end. I don't think any of them know. Where I don't think any that, of them do. But yeah. that's kind of that spontaneity of them where it's kind of cool, where they probably rehearsed it many times. And I think they just didn't, they were just kind of like, all right, here, let's go. And now we're finally going to end it. But something that I did think was cool is Paul was doing his next stage rap. Yeah. And, and like, it's like, he kind of gets lost of like where he's going to go for a second. And you can hear the audience. Like they know what the song is like cool in 76 they know oh this is hotter than hell i was in it with deuce strutter had me kind of going what is it flaming youth i was kind of back into it because i hadn't heard this one and i was kind of being kept by hotter than hell i didn't mind it again leaving all the recording aspect out of it i thought the performance was pretty solid but again after a while your mind starts wandering in in the song and so that's that's what I've got for. Yeah, I mean, any <laughs> any live hotter than hell is pretty good to me. I mean, yeah, I, let's just get rid of, like you said, the recording. I, I'm okay. always a fan of live hotter than hell. Yeah, she looked good. She looked hot. There's than hell. there's like five. I, I love this. Right. You know, yeah. this one's OK. One of those songs, right? It's these two back to back. What's funny is <laughs> the two of them. hotter than hell is not necessarily a top. 10 kiss song for me but i will no, say this but it's it's, awesome it's damn fun it's so awesome live and i'll say this there's about and i don't know if i'll say all five of them now i'll say a couple <laughs> there's about five kiss songs yeah for me that like no matter how they sound they're all good hotter than hell is one of them so is parasite yeah and so yeah. is cold gin those are yeah, three yeah, where i'm like three. Cause you have so much fun with the lyrics and stuff to where like, yeah, this one, you can't really hear it that well, but I'm still in. <laughs> yeah. I'm still in the car going hot, hot, hotter hot than hell. Yeah. you know, it's and it, and it works. And so it's like, she'll always leave me drag. Like, yeah. so it's, 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 it's uh, just a fun song, man. It's a know. cool song. And, and let's be honest until they really don't, pull it out right for many years right oh. Rob? a live 35 was the last time it was played i believe now somebody's probably gonna correct right. me i mean did so. they i wonder if they, they never did it in the 80s at all right to the to the best no it it okay. didn't come back out to like 94 95 i okay. think maybe but very infrequently very right? infrequently yeah, yeah. yeah and a part that i don't care if it's a live version if i'm at a show and i hear it I always out loud sing the guitar part. I love that. That lick is so cool. And I audibly do it. My wife usually turns her head. What are you doing? I'm like, it's hotter than hell. She's like, I don't know what you're doing, but anyway. So because it's hotter than hell, you got to call out the firehouse. You got to get the fire. This one hurt for me. Yes. Yeah. This one hurt for me. Because this is one of my top five favorite songs of all time. He really is. Really and is. I hold on to every version of this because it's I've simple. only seen it live once. Every other live show I've went to, they haven't played it. I've only seen mm. it once, which I know I'm sure there's some people who haven't ever seen it who are going to be like, be thankful for what you have. And I'm going to say yes, but no, because <laughs> yes, but when you see them as many times and I've seen, my God, I've seen Shout It Out Loud nine times. I, would, I wish I could see these other songs the same amount of times. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't sound good. The performance yeah. is what is it with them? And the, there are so many different speeds of, of this song. song. It's amazing. It's, yes. if you go it's back, amazing. I, th- I thought it was me. I thought it's no, my. No, no. Okay. No, there are so many different speeds. Like the studio version is like, 
is like a sloth. It's so slow. Mm. Then you go to like Kisalji one. No, no. Then you go to like the summit and like, Paul can't even like they can't even play the guitar part. So it's like where it sounds like it's just plodding along, right? And they have millennium their millennium show. Oh, it's so slow. Oh my god. And then here once again, I'm like, man, they cannot figure out a speed for this song. It's really bizarre. I gotta be honest with you, you know. And what I thought you were gonna say, and I agree with all of that. But I felt like the speed in the song itself here was moving and shifting a little oh, bit. Yeah. It, was, it was it it had no rhythm or no cadence to it whatsoever. Yeah. From what I could hear. <laughs> it's you you know what it is? It's when they get to after the guitar part, when they get to the second part of the first verse, after yeah. Ace's first guitar part, and then it goes to she will move you and abuse you like even going back to the Kissologist, like they can't replicate what just happened. Right. It's like they go, now we do something different. And then, oh, damn it. How, how do we do that? Uh, yeah. like she will that. move you nana, and improve you nana, with her. Lo- and, and, and they've only played it like thousands. Of and times you hear that. Paul, yeah. man, like, like now we're really overanalyzing, but you also hear Paul like away from the mic as <laughs> if he has to look at the neck of the guitar to see where his fingers are. He's like, she, she will move. Will- and improved with her and her emotion. I'm like, yeah, oh, so oh, 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 as Gene would say, oh, <laughs> and Parasite, oh, yes, I like this one. And what I really liked about this one was Ace's guitar solo. Now, I don't know if it's just from driving back and forth to work this week, mm-hmm. but I turned the guitar solo up every time, especially when you get out to the end where he's got that trippy phaser on mm-hmm. when I haven't seen the YouTube footage. And I know we've seen it in a couple other kissologies. I don't know if he hung the guitar and it, you know, spun and went up in the air and smoked, but that sound effect at the end, I don't recall ever hearing that and maybe somebody goes oh ace has done that a lot i don't know if it was it felt like it was shorter and that pitch started really low and went extremely high very fast i thought that was cool his guitar solo i thought was really good and this is another one of those songs like we were talking about hotter than hell like i don't think about if like i was putting together the kiss set list i don't know if i'd write hotter than hell or she but when kiss plays it i'm always like damn i like this song yeah, I, I never met a live version of she that I didn't like. It just it just resonates with me. I, I really love and again, particularly I should say in that era with, with Ace, because he is a monster. I mean, he was a monster on that version from the Midnight Special. Oh man. Oh and yeah. I That's just, a great yeah. version of That's a I think, killer I think version. it's a song that Ace really loves to play. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll get lost from time to time with some of the <laughs> other tracks. And maybe it's because this is his time, right? This is his solo and yeah, right, dude. But it's like he he brings his A game to shit. The funny thing, and then we'll keep moving, is it's funny how so far the pattern is the more obscure songs are the better ones so far. And the ones like Strutter and Firehouse, which were big songs for them, which were you know, singles mm-hmm. for them, with this with the exception of most of Deuce, are the ones they're struggling with performance-wise. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. 
I don't know if our ears are like we're we haven't heard these in this era enough, so we're mm-hmm. more caught up into it. So let's just move into nothing to lose. The first vocal track for Peter on this one. I think the song starts off well enough, but I know we said we we're going to not keep bringing in the recording aspect mm-hmm. of it, but I don't think the way it was recorded helps Peter's vocal mm-hmm. at all very well. He sounds very distorted. So like he like he's blowing the speakers, which is telling me it must have been very loud there because it's his mic seems very hot in the recording the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's raw, it's unmixed, it's it's nobody <laughs> nobody tried to do anything with it. And I Rob, I can't add anything to that. I just think it is just what happened with it, you know. As far as the performance of the song is concerned, because this is another favorite of mine. I generally don't dislike this song live, but it, the audio just gets in the way for me here to really, really give you any kind of a clear cut, concise judgment on this. This one is like the unfortunate example of like, if one thing goes wrong, the whole song's ruined. And that is in this era, man, the whole, like Peter's vocals are the song. It makes the song. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. if you're a kiss fan, you know, it's coming. Yep. Right. It builds to it. And that scratchy, raspy, awesome, iconic voice he has in terms of the kiss fandom. And when you hear it, like it is on here, like Rob, you said, it's a hot mic. It's loud. It's not there. It's like, oh, it's like you build up for this big surprise and then it doesn't happen. And you're like, wow, I'm underwhelmed because they didn't hit literally the first thing that makes nothing to lose. So iconic doesn't deliver. And then the rest of the song just can't come back from it in, in, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Let's move on to Shout It Out Loud and then it's slashed with Gene's bass solo. Something I forgot to mention, I know we're going to be talking about it very soon coming up, was the album was released March 15th. So this is May. I to get my dates all confused. So they've only had a few, in comparison, a, a few short times to be playing some of these songs. Sure. And so I was trying to put myself in the mindset of how Paul announces the song where he just said, shout it out loud as if Paris has heard this for the millionth time. Yeah. This may, this is the first time that Paris is hearing flaming youth and shout it out loud so far. So I remember when he said, shout it out loud, there was like little to no reaction at all. And I was like, well, for arguably, a song that we've all heard a million times. I was like, Oh, they just don't get it. And I start going, Oh, the album's only been out a few months and they just got over there. So it puts in a little bit of perspective of how the song's not received as well. And Paul is famous for saying, I can tell you when a new song is played, you know, the crowd, you know, did they they go buy t-shirts during the, during the song? Cause it's cause it's a new song. So I think the performance is decent for what it is, but you could just tell there isn't a lot of crowd excitement in the song because I'm sure they're they're listening to it like, hey, this is a brand new song from their new album. So and that's what that's where that's what the shame of this whole thing is, because it would be cool to have a decent recording early of this song where it literally is just taking shape and it's not the anthem that it's that it becomes right. Yeah. Right. It basically becomes an anthem in a couple of months after this. Right. Cause then it's, it's there. It's pretty much in their repertoire forever. 
I think the performance is okay, Rob. I would agree with you. But again, it's just it's flat sounding. I agree. It was it was cool to kind of think about this is such an early version of Shout It Out Loud, which does become such an anthem for them. And you're right, it's the whole crowd being dead thing kind of sets this weird tone for the song. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it's this one I try to give them the pass because performance wise, it's probably the first time they're playing it live in front of a crowd, if not maybe a couple, but yeah, it, 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 it mm. doesn't really deliver. And um, it becomes a skip at that point. Cause I've heard it so many times in a good way that right. to where I'm like, okay, if this version is not even, up to par, I, I can't sit through, right. I have 19 other really good versions. I can't, I can't sit through shout it out loud anymore. Gene's bass solo is tacked into this track. We don't mm-hmm. need to dissect the bass track. Oh. The only thing I'll say with it, I noticed it more on this one that he's actually playing the intro for hundred thousand years mm-hmm. with a delay. You can really hear it in this mm-hmm. and normally it just sounds like a bunch of yeah. noise. So I mm-hmm. thought that was cool that maybe he's still figuring that out. So I thought that was neat. So then we get into hundred thousand years. And if you thought the recording sounded not so good, I wonder if security walked by and the guy was holding his tape player and then had to put it in his pocket because right after we get out of the solo for Peter Chris and Paul starts doing his stage rap, it goes from like this to like this for the rest of the album. It's weird. It is so. And I would have thought I'll save this for, for the end of why I thought they released this. Once they got this, if they listened to this whole thing, I would have said, no, we, we have to find another source. For the level that this thing is, we can't let it drop below this point. And if I was looking at the wave file coming across and I see a huge dip, because that's the first thing I did once I drove to work on Monday and I got back home, I was like, I got to see the waveform on what this looked like. And there is a sizable difference between how the song starts and where it ends. You want to talk, people talk about monster being brick walled and the, the sound not being allowed to go, it's like somebody just turned the faucet off and it's just dripping audio-wise out of it. So these last few songs, if they weren't good to listen to begin with, they're a struggle at the end, and that's probably spoiling the rest of this review. So, Rob, this soon-to-be 57-year-old guy who sometimes worries about his hearing and, you know, am I, am I, I'm going to be honest with you, when it happened... I thought something was wrong with me for a second. And I was like, stop, rewind. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know what? I went back to the previous. <laughs> it's it's not like, just me. It's not me. It's not my phone. It's it's not the 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 uh the earplugs. I'm like, it just got worse. Mm. And I'm gonna tell you something, Rob. I was so angry at that point, even more. Just like you said, I'm like, oh my god! Like, you mean they couldn't have maybe stopped the show and then and then finished it from another recording? They couldn't have did a little mix job here. Like, and, and at the end, I'm going to tell you what my idea would have been for this, but we'll get to that at the end. But yeah, from this point forward, I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I listened to it all the way through because I didn't. I listened to a little bit in the next few songs and I, I, I checked out, dude. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. This was the point of no return to quote. <laughs> a great journey song called Rubicon. Yo, um, good pull. This is, yeah. this is, he taught me that one. It's a great song. 
I went across the Rubicon here and said, uh, Ooh, <laughs> I was already dreading. And this is going to sound bad. Cause like, it's a fun song live. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad song. We've joked on this podcast many times that a hundred thousand years is just like, we've a hundred thousand minutes too long. It's a hundred thousand. We've heard it and seen it. And every version is a hundred thousand minutes long. So when I got to this, I'm like, all right, I'm going to finish it because I was curious if even how he was going to do the, because it's a shorter show. Like, yeah. Okay. It's the destroyer. Yeah. Okay. Is he still going to make this the super long version with the drum? So I saw it. It was, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to it. Cause there is something about when they played it, when they were younger, he just sounds like vocally mm-hmm. like a little bit more cocky and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, man, that audio just all of a sudden it it dies. Did you find it funny? He was like, how many people like to get stoned? And then like dead silence. In France, (laughs) they don't do that, huh? Yeah. (laughs) In France, they don't do that. In France, they don't do it, man. In France, they're they're eating escargot and... uh, Yeah, French fries and mayonnaise. And uh, croissants. (laughs) Croissants. We're not getting high. Let's not not make 100,000 years go 100,000 years longer. Black Diamond. This is, to me, this is always a showstopper for me. If any Kiss show, like we said, if their last song is Black Diamond, how prophetic would that be? It's not going to be. This is always the fake close, and it, it is here. So I think they, they end this performance strong. If you are struggling to get past the audio quality and you've stuck around to the end of it, I think they, at least as far as they're playing, they nail the ending. And they leave the crowd chaining before they come back. So I do always enjoy Black Diamond. Anytime that I hear it, I've never heard them play it bad or wrong. Some are a little bit slower, but still, to me, Kiss is like sex and pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Absolutely. I can't say it any better. I honestly struggle having seen them live about 25 times and all the live versions I have of this. I I really can't tell you I've ever heard a really poor version of the song. It's, it's just one of those songs that they tend to bring their a game out and it could very well be that it is the fake encore song. And they just, they know they got to kick it up a gear. If they're flubbing up a little bit, maybe before it or three songs before it, they really always seem to, to come together, find their groove and just find the right tone for the song. Well, because Ace and Peter know that in about 20 minutes, it's party time. It's so party. let's kick it in the high gear. <laughs> yeah. um, no, listen, just echo what you guys say. This is one of a few Kiss songs where like, you, you could give me a conch shell and say, hold it up to your ear and you'll hear a version of Black Diamond, but you really have to focus and do like a mindfulness practice to do it. I will do it. <laughs> there is no version of Black Diamond I won't listen to. Yeah. And even if this was bad, I would have told yeah. you it was good because Black Diamond is in the holy, it's in the holy andals of Kiss Live performance songs. And always, um, always. I do agree. By the end of this song, it kind of like, it salvages a little bit. Yeah, It's trying to claw back. <laughs> Next it's it's like this. you know, no, no, it's no, like man. it's like he's, he's my son is out. saying words, but he sure sounds dumb. No, he's no. like Rocky when he gets back <laughs> yeah. up, you know. Oh, yeah. It's oh, like really? Rocky yeah. trying to get back <laughs> up. Blasphemy the eyes yeah, are said. Exactly. <laughs> back up. Is that the part where he goes, You gotta cut me, Nick? Detroit Rock City again. Them playing Detroit Rock City again, probably for the first time in Paris. So history in the making that's what this whole box set 
is is alluding to is celebrating that 90 Troy Rock City, but you know, Destroyer and mm-hmm. probably the most anthemic song that they have that started grabbing the nation. And uh, I think they do it, they do it fairly well here. It still feels a little, a little not rough because rough would imply it's bad. I think they're still finding their their footing mm-hmm. yeah. with it a little bit. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You can still tell they're a little green with it, but there's there's energy, there's a little bit of snarl to it that that paul has throughout it so the performance i think is good and the audio is what the audio is yeah i can't say much more than that other than that this is a it's exciting because again it's a young band who's really this is destined to become an anthem for them Mm -hmm. and it it arguably is such a well-constructed song and i do give them credit I don't think they get credit enough for being the musicians that they are. And I think it's it definitely you hear it on this song when you when you can hear it and get your mind out of the audio. It sounds pretty good. It's cool. I would be remiss if I didn't say it was cool to hear this, like you guys said, in this way. And then to know it becomes arguably their biggest staple mm-hmm. um, for so many years, for the longest time. It closed shows instead of rock and roll all night. Like that was a kind of a thing that came later for them. Yeah. So. This for me becomes their like definitive opening song. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. cool to see this and it's just such like a young, like naked, vulnerable version of it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes into audio quality song. I like that yeah. naked, vulnerable version because you could yeah. still tell that it's oh yeah. It's really close to the vest for them. Again, even in the state that it is, I feel like we're just repeating this <laughs> over and over again, but you could still feel that vulnerable spot. Yep. Like yeah. you could tell Paul is very proud of yeah. this song to be mm-hmm. to be playing it mm-hmm. and we get to the closer rock and roll all night if there's any time where nick was like all right let's we don't we don't gotta stay we, we know <laughs> we, we know we, we know the cubs are gonna win we can go yeah. they they beat detroit we're we're good <laughs> we can leave the stadium it ends i think it sounds rock and roll night sounds as as good as it yeah as good as it does there's nothing glaring where i was like oh what a horrible crappy version I think there's a numbness for some of us, for a lot of us Kiss fans, when some songs are played, we just kind of, we, we've said it on the end of the road review, you know, you kind of check out listening to them sing it. You're just more looking around at the confetti and just yeah. having, having that last beer you're trying to chug before you leave. So rock roll night is what it is. I don't think we could say much more about it. And it just concludes the disc, which we know there was one more song, but we didn't have to suffer through one more song. I would agree with you. They certainly have rock and roll all night honed down for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, you rock and roll all night. You party every day. The disc doesn't really party every day or rock and roll all night. But uh, it may be, be a very good coaster. With, this might be the last time with this version. I'll, I'll have a rock and roll all night and party every yeah, day. But uh, probably it ends on a okay note. Okay. I'm note. Sure people had fun taking the song back in 1976, Paris, France. What I'd like to talk about, Rob, and, and you, we could figure this out, but I'd just like to think of maybe what they could have, if any of us have ideas real quickly, to what they could have did Not put instead this of this one. Anything else. Like, I'm do serious. you like, for me, I have an idea of where they could have just used different tracks from, different from other shows. shows. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they didn't want to say, like, use a flaming youth from, 2015 or 16 because somebody might argue with me and say well that that doesn't cover the era they could have certainly put together 
a better live version with calling tracks from different shows. I would have much rather had that than, than this thing here. Yeah. Or again, maybe a board from a later show that again, but I honestly believe for some reason, the powers that be thought people weren't really going to care about this. And we're going to look at it more like it was a, a souvenir, if you will. It was like a mm-hmm. throw in, mm-hmm. not understanding not the kiss fans. Passion is a bad call. Yeah. And I'm worried about the next one. What happens? My take on this was kind of in the lines that you were giving me a best of, of a live scenario, but I wonder if universal went into it thinking during this time, people were bootlegging kiss shows. Let's give them a representation of what was going around. What helped propel this band like you got to go check this band out. I just recorded this show. Check it out to give you like a souvenir like that. I wish they would have been trying to play devil's advocate. I don't think they wanted to tell us what it was for fear that, oh, we're not going to buy into it. Mm-hmm. But I think telling us what it was might have softened some of the blow and been like, this was a heavily circulated show. We're going to allow you to hear it officially for the first time from an archive so i can respect it if that was the idea but since that was never said and i'm just assuming that hmm. this this was a poor choice to put it i think you're i would have percent right with i would have rather saying. have had the blu-ray audio and then throw a live concert in there from something that they were going to put on kissology that they never did you know night two of a show we already have a kissology or ripped the audio from Kissology and thrown it on there. I might have argued yeah, and been like, totally I've already got the video footage. Why do I need the audio? Well, great. Now I have the audio. I don't have to rip it myself. Yeah. That's what I would have done. And even if they didn't tweak that stuff that much, it certainly would have sounded better than this. Yeah. Even, even if they just kept it, you know, obviously we know these are not a multi track recording, right? We know right. this is just a stereo. It's a two, it's a two channel thing. But just shudder in disbelief that they need to know going forward that we're just not a visual band and we're just not looking for the papers and the toys and the certificates. Because I think I think that they can do so much better going forward. And that's my only fear is that they're like, hey, it's okay. We sold a lot of these boxes and we're just going to find these audience recordings and just throw them in there. I hope not, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, with the way the soundboard thing went, I'm not exactly encouraged, but I will say this for the next one, just do literally anything else than an audience recording of a show. Just literally do anything. Even if whatever your first idea is, do the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do maybe even the third at that point. Yeah. Just anything else than, than what you did here, please. Don't just think outside of your box, get in somebody else's box and think outside of that box and then get out of that that box. Well, we won't prolong this anymore. So if you stuck around through this episode, I promise you, as Paul Stanley would say, we've got some classic kiss coming up. We've got an, classic album review of course if you followed our little mini series here destroyer is up next but before we go 
Carusas, where can the good folks find you out there on the internet? Everyone can find me at N Caruso Jr. on Twitter and please follow our other show, the vigilante 1939. That is a show I do with the guy to my left here, my son, Nico and our good friend, Nick Zednick, the three Nicks talking everything, DC comics, Marvel comics, star Wars, my God, it's a wonderful time right now. There is so much stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at Nico Caruso. That's N-I-K-K-O-C-A-R-U-S-O on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and uh, TikTok. I'm doing film reviews there on TikTok. I just attended the Sundance Film Festival. A lot of cool stuff to talk about that are going to be coming out throughout this year. And uh, we also do a Spider-Man podcast with our good friend, Mr. Peter Vera, called the the Italian Spider-Man Coalition. It's at Italians for the number four Spidey, where we talk about some Spider-Man stuff that'll be coming out soon. But for now, just come talk to me, come tweet at me. I always respond. I always like to get into things. Um, and even if it's not Kiss, I'm, I'll try to talk about anything you want, as long as it's not country music. I hate country music. Don't come to me with country music. That's the only thing you're not allowed to come to me with. <laughs> You can follow me at drummer Rob 10. And by the time this goes up, you will have heard, I think episode 137 of Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. We are going to try and record this weekend again, but that episode should be out by the time you're hearing this episode. And that can be found at ELTD podcast about Tim Drake, the third and greatest Robin for Batman on the behalf of the Caruso's I'm Rob. And you've been listening to right between the eyes podcast, a kiss podcast. We will see you. In two weeks for Destroy. You've been listening to Right Between the Eyes, a KISS podcast. All music and sound clips belong to their respected copyright holders. No infringement is intended in any way by this show. It's used to enhance your listening pleasure and to make the show come more alive. So if Gene could not send his lawyers, that would be amazing. You can get a hold of us a few different ways. We are on Twitter at RBTE Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash right between the eyes podcast. We are also on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can also email into the show and we will read all emails and this will allow you to participate in the discussion. You can do so at right between the eyes at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode and hear why Kiss is still the hottest band in the world and why they still hit us right between the eyes. See you in a few weeks, Kiss family.